0: This is a relay project.
1: Seriously? 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 Seriously, Seriously starts now. Here's Sapriya and Ryan. Yay!
0: It's Wednesday, December 7th, and you're listening to Seriously with Supriya and Ryan. I am Supriya DeVetti in Toronto.
2: Ryan Jesperson here in Edmonton. It's great to see you again.
0: Yeah, good to see you, buddy. Um, I don't know. I slept in this sweatshirt last night, so I'm not feeling great. But uh, oh. that is the tale of having a small child uh, right now in this country. You're They're playing hurt. And, yeah, uh, playing and
2: And you've got illness Uh, Ripping through your household. How's the little one doing?
0: She's okay. I mean, you know, regular listeners will remember that a few weeks ago she was uh, quite sick. um, For it's come back, whatever it was, she seems to have very similar symptoms, like an upper respiratory tract type uh, infection, high fever. Um, but I don't know, like hopefully she'll, she'll be on the men soon, but it's just, uh, it's not great. You know, I was supposed to be in Montreal for work this week. I had to cancel that. Um, I'm canceling a, a couple of other work things that are happening later in the week, um, that I very much would like to be there for and will make my next couple of weeks a little bit more difficult because I'm going to have to rejig some of that. Um, and I feel like a lot of that gets lost in this conversation of, uh, you know, the pediatric uh, healthcare crisis.
2: Yeah, It's happening in Alberta, too. And I know across the country, I mean, there, there's, uh, you know, intensive care units in particular, children's hospitals operating uh, in some circumstances above capacity. Uh, We even saw just, I mean, you know, this week, I mean, you know, Alberta Children's Hospital has been forced to redeploy 65 staff from a mix of units just so they can keep up with what they're describing as a high level of overcapacity right now. So so alarms are, are sounding across the country, to say the least. I know we don't have to tell this to families that are in very difficult circumstances right now with these little ones.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, here in Ontario, CHIO is called in, that's the uh, Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, they've called in the Red Cross to help them um, manage uh, what they're seeing right now on the ground. And, you know, at least in Ontario, um, it's been found that we've underspent on health uh, by like 900-ish million dollars, which isn't chump change. And uh, I think we should be demanding more from our leaders on that front. But You know, let's not get derailed because I feel like you and I can go on for uh, quite a bit on this. I Um, mean, we we
2: like to every week when we get together, we talk about issues that matter to Canadians, cut through the noise of the stories, and also sometimes it's the things that are landing in our own backyard. And so this is impacting your family directly right now. Uh, Of course, we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about Bill C-21 and gun control, the anniversary of the Montreal massacre. And of course, Montreal Canadiens legend, Carrie Price, coming up in just a little bit. One other story I know we wanted to touch on, and this is wild considering where inflation is has been in some parts of the country double-digit inflation over the past year the national average over seven percent and it looks like food prices are going to hold at that number some research is showing five to seven percent increase in food costs expected in 2023 Uh, people are already having to make adjustments in a lot of households this isn't the news they're looking for
0: yeah. Um, you know, researchers have sort of dug into those numbers and they're saying that uh, an average family of four is going to essentially be forced to pay out um, an average of just over $16,000 on food over the course of the next year. And that's an increase of over $1,000 from this year, which is already high. So to give, um, you know, our listeners a sense of what they're going to be in for, I mean, it it won't be pretty. And there has to be some sort of Uh, relief or solution to this. Um, And I I don't really have a a simple one here um, for our policymakers. But if you can't afford food and your heating bill is going up and, you know, housing, uh, whether it's your mortgage or your rent is also going up, That's a lot of things going up all at once and something's got to give.
2: We'll get to our lead in in just a second. But, of course, there's always action at the Alberta legislature, (laughs) as if I need to tell you that. And we wanted to touch on this. We we, we spent the entirety of last episode essentially uh, talking about... newly minted Premier Danielle Smith and her Sovereignty Act. It's now of course the sovereignty, Alberta sovereignty within a United Canada Act. They wanted to reiterate that Well, she's taking it back to the drawing board after being criticized for some of the inclusions described as anti-democratic that would allow the Premier and her cabinet to essentially circumvent the Alberta legislature and change laws while at the same time directing entities like municipalities, police forces and others to ignore federal laws or federal directives. So you can see where the problem might be. I asked Charles Adler on my show Real Talk earlier this week whether he thought it was a sign of good leadership or poor leadership to walk back a bill, to go back to the drawing board. He's not giving the premier any credit. He says he thinks that she just got busted uh, trying to pull off an illusion, trying to pull off a trick, and she had no choice. What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's an you know, I think that's a, a very Charles Adler take and I <laughs> respect him for it. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of have a somewhat different take, and that's only because I think we should be applauding whenever we have leaders that listen to either expert voices or their constituencies and take that into account. And we are currently in an environment where, you know, because of social media and because everything is sort of um, positioned for. Clips and for likes and for take and you know, for for hot takes and for their virality. Um, it sort of disincentivizes uh, politicians and, you know, leaders of all stripes to sort of say, well, I fucked up on this and uh, let's take it back to the drawing board. Now, I know that I still have a lot of qualms and issues with the act in and of itself, but I think Danielle Smith um, and the team around her should be applauded for at least listening to some of that criticism and trying to make uh, the changes, you know, that they've uh, kicked off
2: here. I agree with you. Now, the follow up, <laughs> which is also important. Did they walk it back or are they going back to the drawing board because it's the right thing to do or because even though they have the power they have the majority they need to ram through that legislation bill one if they did it people would be so pissed off that it would bite them in the ass during the provincial election in may of 2023 that's my yeah
0: it, it's probably a little bit of both but does it matter ultimately they're they're they are making the change right
2: fair all <laughs> right well it's december now and last time i talked to you you and i Both had some work to do when it came to our holiday shopping. Do you have an update for us? How are you doing on it?
0: I have a little bit of an update, and that is last night at like 3.30 in the morning as I had a small child on top of me, um, you know, not sleeping as soundly as she could have. Um, I, when she finally did get down, I uh, went on my phone because I was wide awake, and I did do a little bit of online shopping. So at least I'm somewhat, uh, I've progressed. Have you? Uh Yeah.
2: Depends who's watching or listening. So, uh, <laughs> yes, no, no, not so much. I've got some stocking stuffers, which is good to sort of, uh, you know, add into that a little spice into what Santa delivers. But with regards to the big ticket items, I've still got some work to do. I'm probably going to be, you know, finding that mix that most people do of shopping local at like the holiday markets and then also shopping online. But, of course, all of us know that that makes us a little bit more susceptible to things like cyber attacks And fraud, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, And this is a really interesting news story that came out just uh, this past week, and it's the Retail and Hospitality ISEC, a uh, cybersecurity-focused association. They released a report and said that threats of fraud, so things like phishing emails, either account takeovers and return fraud, are all expected to peak going into December.
2: Yeah, so this is something, I mean, it's obviously not very festive, to say the least, and also something we want to put on people's radar. It's a good reminder of how important it is to make sure that your team gets proper training on cybersecurity, no matter what industry they're working in, right? Like working with a training partner like We Know Training uh, can help protect your business from risks like these and their expert e-learning team designs training that actually changes behavior so that your employees will retain and most importantly, act on what they learn. 100%
0: and we know that we know training specializes in training for regulated industries and they are more than just an LMS.
2: Yeah, so they do it all, right? That means creating and hosting and selling your courses, optimizing them to get you real business results.
0: And if you need to train your team, they offer a scalable solution that's ideal for high stakes training that really matters.
2: Yeah, exactly. If you want to work with a training partner that truly understands your needs, has solutions to your challenges, and delivers amazing value against your business goals, talk to We Know Training.
0: You can visit their website at wenotraining.ca.
1: The lead. Now, we've just put forward. Uh, a list, and we're consulting with Canadians on that. We're hearing a lot of feedback around concerns that uh, hunters uh, are saying about guns that they use more for hunting or uh, hunting rifles or shotguns. Uh, And that's what we're listening to feedback on now to make sure that we're not capturing uh, weapons that are uh, primarily hunting weapons. But we all know that we need to make sure that guns that are designed to kill the largest number of people as quickly as possible, have no place in Canada. And we're going to continue to move forward with that in a strong and smart way. We'll continue to listen to Canadians. We're not going after uh, hunting rifles or shotguns. Um, we are targeting the most dangerous weapons, the weapons that were used in places like École Polytechnique or, uh, uh, or recently in South Simcoe uh, or in Portapique uh, that have caused far too much uh, tragedy over the past many, many years.
0: So that was the prime minister responding to a question on Bill C-21 as he was there for an announcement with Premier Ford on something completely unrelated, um, but whatever, that's the name of the game. Um, So a couple of things that jumped out to me there, Ryan. Number one is Ford's uh, poker face. (laughs) You know, he doesn't agree with Bill C-21 and he's managed to just like look ahead uh, and not give the camera sort of any fodder. So good on you, Premier, for that. Um, And the second thing that jumped out at me is that this was somewhat inevitable um, to have the either the prime minister or the public safety minister or whomever sort of get up there and really clarify and reassure uh, hunters in particular that they were not being targeted by this and a lot of folks who know quite a bit about guns i'm not talking about just like the angry you know commentators or that pop off hop takes but people that actually you know are steeped in gun policy and and are you know avid shooters themselves or hunters what have you uh we're pointing out that this bill and the recent amendments that were made to it in the last uh, couple of weeks were going to dust up quite a bit of controversy so you know i think the liberals should have seen this coming
2: yeah i mean I, l- let me just say I know that it's not productive to to sort of like paint entire groups of folks as like gun nuts. But when we say gun nuts, we know exactly who we're talking about. And I'm not talking about the gun nuts, but I'm talking about shooting enthusiasts, hunters, friends of mine, people whose opinions I trust. And I've heard from a lot of them, not gun nuts, not maniacs, not lunatics. Uh, not the hardwired sort of NRA style American angry Fox News type voices that we all know. We all know exactly who I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are responsible firearms owners, oftentimes people that live in rural situations, farmers, ranchers, uh, people that are even out on acreages, Sapria, that deal with wildlife, uh, that, that have circumstances where rabid animals are on their property. That is a reality that the average urban dweller is not thinking about, mm-hmm. not talking about raccoons and pigeons. <laughs> We're talking about people that deal with real issues there really critical of some of the what they would describe as overreach or, or maybe even a sort of a naive factor to, to C-21. I wouldn't invoke the word naive. I think that the federal government knows what it's doing with this. The question is, do you think that it could become politically unpopular enough that they have to walk it back?
0: I think it already is somewhat politically unpopular that they're starting to walk it back. And I think you heard that from the prime minister there. And it's interesting that it's taken as long as it has, um, given that These issues have been brought to the fore by a bunch of folks. And, you know, the political calculus here is interesting because obviously uh, rural voters aren't exactly flying uh, liberal signs, um, you know, come election time for the most part. And this these issues tend to play very well. And I mean, like gun control issues play very well in urban and suburban areas um, where the liberals tend to do quite well. But if you look at their support in Atlantic Canada, um, that's where it starts to get a little bit murkier and where I think that they'll start to you know, really consider how this could potentially hurt them down the line. And the other interesting thing here is the NDP, right? Because the NDP has a really interesting mix of of uh, rural and urban suburban uh, voters in terms of their coalition. Like, do they go forward and, supo- and support the, the bi- let's say the bill stays in its current form, right? And like, there's all these amendments that um, were proposed end up going through and all these other guns that um, end up being, being captured by this legislation. Like, what does the NDP do? Um, I would imagine some of them don't support it. Uh, It doesn't mean that the the legislation will necessarily fail because I expect the liberals to have the support of, um, you know, some bulk of the block. But um, it's, I don't know, it just, it's complicated. um, And it's interesting because our country is complicated and interesting. And I don't find we often talk about complicated and interesting issues properly um as a nation yeah uh, and this should be one of them
2: yeah well and that's why we have seriously <laughs> yeah. so every wednesday people can <laughs> dig into it we promise uh, do you i mean from the strategy side does the conservative party of canada uh with regards to its position its messaging its support or or you know more notably obviously criticism of this um does it need to pick between hunters and like suburban moms, do you think that there's a, a fine line to be walked there where you can preserve the the respect and the loyalty and the support from yeah. from both of those voting demographics?
0: It's interesting. So they haven't always tended to do well in certain parts of the country when it comes to suburban moms, at least in the last few election cycles. Um, but I think if they stick with hunters, right, and they stick with the messaging that this is targeting Uh, Hunters or folks that just want to protect their own, um, you know, livestock or what have you. uh, That's better messaging than trying to paint the liberals as being overzealous gun control freaks, um, because overzealous gun control freaks doesn't necessarily play terribly Um, around the parts that I'm in, Um, especially if you've never really been around uh, guns, right? And I mean, I'm someone who hasn't really been around guns in my life. I've only been skeet shooting a, a couple of times um, with with friends who are you know very well regarded and, and responsible gun owners. Um, but if it's foreign to you, then you're kind of like, well, why do you need a handgun? Like, why do you need, um, you know, a, a, this rifle that has the potential to, uh, you know, kill X amount of people? Like it's 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 a very um, hard thing, I think, for a lot of folks to wrap their their heads around.
2: Yeah, it's a big culture thing too. I mean, to state the obvious, you know, proponents for for, I mean, it's hard to not even talk about it without editorializing. I say proponents for looser gun laws. I mean, that sounds inherently negative, right? But let me say, like, you know, gun enthusiasts or responsible firearms owners will lament and and to a certain degree they're they're right they will lament that a lot of people that have opinions on gun laws don't know much about guns <laughs> yeah. and then people will also point out which is also a fair and important point that the culture and the gun culture in Canada is different than the US gun ownership in Canada fr- fr- from a ratio perspective there are more guns Per person in Canada than the U.S. when you're talking about certain guns, right? And and so people will say, well, listen, this is an issue that's relevant to Canadians, but for the majority of Canadians, it is not normal. It is not an everyday occurrence to see somebody at 7-Eleven or in a restaurant or in a movie theater strapped. With a holster yeah, on their ankle, or with a holster yeah. on their back, or or with the you know what you would describe as people understand colloquially as a, an assault rifle slung over their shoulder, like you can see at Walmart in Arizona. I mean, it's just a completely different ballgame.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I would say that the flip side to that is that, you know, gun control advocates would say, well, that's because of our laws and that's because we do take a different approach. And it's good that we take a different approach. And so I I think it's, you know, it's the way that this issue has 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 bubbled to to the surface um, is an interesting one. Its evolution has been an interesting one. And I think the liberals for their part for the last, you know, before the prime minister sort of came out and made that statement yesterday or, or or, or, or earlier this week, was sort of um, they're kind of digging themselves a hole a little bit because as hunters and, and the like were pointing out that these guns were going to be captured, that, you know, do not have the same sort of um, in in like manufacturing intent um, as military weapons do or the capability that military weapons do. The liberals were basically, for the most part, saying it's in your head, but it wasn't in their head. <laughs> and like for a government that's supposed to be big on misinformation and disinformation and trying to combat it, um, that's not a good look.
2: Let me get a little esoteric for a second. Do laws manifest culture or does culture dictate law? Uh,
0: The ultimate chicken and egg. Also, there's this.
2: Montreal Canadiens legendary goaltender, future Hall of Famer, one of Canada's all-time greats at the position, Carry Price stepping in one in a rare social media post uh, just a short time ago, indicating his support for and we'll talk about this promo code in just a moment, Sapria. But the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights and boy, was there blowback on this one.
0: Yeah. So he put out an Instagram post uh, with the caption, I love my family, I love my country and I care for my neighbor. I'm not a criminal or a threat to society. What Justin Picciuto is trying to do is unjust. I support the CCFR, CCDAF to keep my hunting tools. Thank you for listening to my opinion. And it's him in full camo for those that are listening to this on the podcast um, with like a rifle sort of tucked under his arm. Yeah. Um, worth noting, it's been pointed out by many people um, since then that his uh, rifle in question that he's decided to you know, portray in this picture, isn't actually one of the ones that are going to be captured in this bill. But, um, you know, anytime an athlete says anything, uh, there's fallout to be had. And it's been an interesting last couple of days over this, because initially the Habs come out and they say, uh, oh, well, uh, Carey Price, like he, you know, he couldn't have known what it called Polytechnic, what the massacre was, he was just two years old. Um, and then a bunch of his teammates also came out and admitted that they had no idea what it was. And, you know, Kerry's heart is in the right place. And he's been very vocal about being an avid hunter. And of course, he is indigenous. So there are a bunch of um, treaty rights and, and, you know, traditional rights that um, he indeed should, should be should have. And, you know, I'm also very much of the opinion that. Athletes should not stick to sports, um, you know, go out there. It's and not voice a stay your in your opinion.
2: lane type thing.
0: No, no. Like, go say whatever the fuck you want to say. Sure. You know what I mean? Your opinion is valid just as much as anybody else's is. But like, you should know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing is like, number one, what a what a Canadian way to wrap up his post, which is thank you for listening to my opinion. It's, yeah. it's sort of like it added this element where people that were really piling on. I went, hang on a sec, like, let's dial it back just a little bit. And I do think and I can't speak for Carrie Price, but I would suggest that there was probably somebody in his ear that recognized the power of his platform and that suggested that there's a time of great contention right now and and that people are arguing across the country and they probably told him that Justin Trudeau is trying to take your guns away and and hunting's important to him and so he uh, potentially was even I don't know I'm just speculating maybe manipulated or convinced or, coer- or coerced Uh, to use his platform. I think that it's fair to suggest I'm not saying all athletes are dumb and I'm not saying Kerry price is dumb. uh, But I do think it's possible that, that not every professional athlete is, is listening to seriously every week. And is (laughs) is paying attention to the national news headlines and following what happens in parliament, not to say just to say, and it's possible that he didn't know right now that the Canadian coalition for firearms rights, which he implicitly supports in that post was currently in a dust up uh, with an advocacy group that, that is, is, you know, working on, on in memory of the 14 victims of that mass shooting back in 1989. I guess what I'm saying, big picture, is that Carey Price probably, I find it easy to believe, I find it hard to believe he didn't know about a Polytechnique. I find that impossible to believe for a guy that lived in Montreal for like 13 years. But I find it easy to believe that he had no idea what he was biting off when he posted this.
0: Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And it's interesting that the Habs decided to go out with the, wall. he couldn't have known what he was talking about. He was just two years old when the company technique happened. Yeah, okay, I was four. And having grown up in Montreal, the city takes, and the province, but the city really takes the anniversary of December 6th incredibly seriously um and it's you know there's so much media coverage that it's like kind of hard to avoid um the commemoration of the issue so like i found it very hard to believe that he would not have known what it was and that the habs would have gone about that way and it's interesting because after you know a couple of days of going back and forth on this he, he puts out well. He puts out a clarifying tweet saying, you know, um, my views are my own and I do believe them. And then he goes on to say, no, I didn't agree with the promotional code either. But the real sort of clarification came via an Insta stories post where I won't read the whole thing because it's long. But he essentially says, my hearts and prayers are with the families and the victims of the 1989 Ecole Polytechnique shooting today. I think the people of Montreal know my heart and my character and know I would never intentionally cause pain to those impacted by violence. Despite a previous statement released, I did, in fact, know about the tragedy. Um, And then, you know, he goes on to say, I have no control of the timing of the amendment to Bill C-21, yada, yada. Um, What the fuck were the Habs doing Um, saying that he didn't know what it was like? Did they not clarify with him? Do you think this was like a clumsy crisis com situation? I mean, you
2: want to talk about significance of an athlete to a city. I think it's fair to suggest that. 10 years ago, five years ago, Carey Price was to Montreal, what Connor McDavid is to the mm, Edmonton Oilers yeah. right now. And if Connor McDavid on the other Black Friday <laughs> was to divulge that he had never heard of the Edmonton tornado that that killed nearly 30 people, I think that people would rightfully have a few questions. Now, Carey Price brings up the promo code, which brings us to.
0: Seriously. Just like the best segueing there, buddy. Um, Yeah, so that brings us to (laughs) this promotional code that the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights put up uh, just days before December 6th, offering 10% off merch if folks used Polly as a promotional code. Unsurprisingly, a, a bunch of people were very upset at this, including uh, one of the survivors of uh, the Polytechnic shooting and the gun control group Police um, and have come out to really denounce this. But to your point about our gun culture being different from the American gun culture, I don't think the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights are doing themselves any favor by trying to act like NRA Jr. here.
2: It's unbelievable, and I interviewed Rod Giltaka from the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. People can search it in the Real Talk archives. I said, for people that don't know you, that aren't familiar with your group, are you Canada's NRA? And boy, did he push back. I mean, watch the interview. They don't want to be perceived as Canada's NRA. They want to be seen as credible. They want to be seen as driving informed dialogue. They want to be taken seriously across the country from people across the political spectrum. And I don't care about the excuses they're making that the poly promo code is not related to polytechnique, but instead related to a Twitter account that operates in memory to impact gun laws in memory of the victims of the shooting. When you're explaining, you're losing. And the timing of this, two weeks before the anniversary of the Montreal massacre, is indefensible. And in my mind, like you said, NRA Jr., they're making their own bet on this one.
0: And that's it for us for another episode of Seriously. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Seriously Pod on Twitter at Supria and Ryan or on our website, seriouslypod.com.
2: That's right. Seriouslypod.com is your home for all of our archives, including connecting to our YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find the show. We sure appreciate you rating it, reviewing it, and of course, sharing it with other Canadians who need to cut through the noise of the week's news.
0: See you next week, buddy.
2: I'll see you next week.
1: Seriously is hosted by Supriya Dwivedi and Ryan Jesperson. Technical producer, John Hicks. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Lauren Turlego. General manager, Katie Cook Shivers. Human resources, Lena Shepherd. Voiceover by me, Tanji. Seriously is a relay project. For more, check out seriouslypod.com.